0: Hello and welcome to episode 515 of the official EstablishTheRun.com podcast. My name is Adam Levitan. I'm one of the co-founders here at ETR. We're coming off of a gambling is hard kind of month. I think regular listeners know it's really important to me to be honest and transparent about what it's really like when you're out there in the streets battling hard. You know, what's a realistic ROI? What's a realistic win rate? what, What games are beatable? Et cetera, et cetera. So, with that in mind, I thought it was important for me to come on here and talk a bit about losing in dfs and and obviously, that's not great for the brand you know it's not great for the DFS guy to lose and tell people it's not great to admit feeling burnt out and maybe not thinking clearly enough on some spots. But the truth is that if everyone doing this seriously feels like this at some point, literally, everyone doing this seriously feels like this at some point. the last i don't know two to four weeks, uh, I've been losing. A pretty decent amount in DFS and it it can get blurry you know there's some blurry line between knowing if you're still playing well and and knowing and thinking that you're just running bad or or there's something more I actually did a show uh on here with Phil Galfon a couple years ago and and I asked him about this you know how do you know how do you know what's wrong are you running bad are you playing bad And, and he answered how I expected you know well you need to look through your play for mistakes you need to look through your opponents, and see if they're making mistakes. And I I do that, and I agree with that. But obviously, it's still hard to know for sure. Like, in Week 17, I played Brian Robinson. He had 18 first-half carries and 24 total carries at 5,200 against the Browns. Like, I, I'm playing that. The same week, no one played Kate Otten except for me. A ton of people played Jelani and Evan Ingram. Otten runs 41 routes and has, has Tom Brady at quarterback. Jelani runs 15 routes and has Nick Foles at quarterback. I mean, I feel great about that play. Evan Ingram got rested for a lot of that game. Felt great about that fade. You know, this past week, I thought was more a clear mistake. I thought I had the right team. I just needed to play Garrett Wilson over Amari Cooper. For all that incentive stuff on Amari Cooper, which turned out to be nonsense, and, and it would have been fine. But anyways, all this micro stuff is not my point. My, my point is that I think the hardest one to swallow for most people, including myself, is playing well and still losing. You know, and maybe I haven't played well. And I think in spots I haven't played well. But I think the hardest spot is playing well and losing. You know, I've come on here and said I played horrifically and lost. And I actually think that's easier to swallow than thinking you played well and won. I've been asked before if I believe in uh, hot streaks in gambling. And I I don't really, you know. However, I do believe that confidence matters. You know, playing anything with confidence. If you're a winner, I, I think that's super important. And when you're not playing with confidence, it can compound. In other words, running bad leads to playing bad. And to me, there's some element of confidence in there. So anyway, I don't even know my point here. I guess I just wanted to confirm to anyone out there that it's natural to go through this stuff when you're gambling. Um, I finished the regular season with a 7.7% ROI and double ups, which honestly is not really great considering I'm game selecting them pretty hard. Now that said, however... Shout out to me. I was able to ship the 333 single entry best ball for 50K to end the year, which was really a nice boost and a much needed boost. Um, I think best ball is just like a really great format for me. Hopefully, listen to the podcast with Karain yesterday, but it's just a great format for me, I think, because I have really strong player takes by the time August and September comes around. You know, just from being in it and, and just following it constantly all winter, spring, summer, following the market. I have really strong player takes by the time August and September hits in terms of who's undervalued, who's overvalued, who my favorite late round picks are, what kind of structure I prefer, et cetera, et cetera. And so I also think that like understanding the structural stuff is, is important too. But yeah, I really do love best ball. I also love that the team I won with, won the 50K with, it was so on brand. It had Daniel Jones, the King, Danny Dimes, had two Penn State guys in Chris Godwin and Saquon Barkley, shout out to them. Had some guys we were really high on relative to the field during draft season, such as Jalen Waddell, T. Higgins, Ramondre Stevenson, Steph Diggs, a little bit. And then in the final, I mean, I was dust at tight end all year. I had Johnny Smith, Isaiah Likely, and Albert O at tight end on that team. I'm not really what, sure what happened in the draft because I do think winning a tight end is incredibly important in best ball. But, anyways, I show up to the final thinking I- I'm going to take a zero at tight end and Albert O some combination of Greg Dolchich being done and this donkey Nathaniel Hackett getting fired. But somehow, Albert O has a really good game in the final week, like 13 DraftKings points. So, ridiculous. Anyways, much bigger shout out to Karain, of course, who shipped the Best Ball Mania 3 on Underdog for an absolutely mind-blowing $2 million. Again, that I went up yesterday, that interview. Hopefully, you listen to that. But, yeah. The other reason I'd say Best Ball is such a good format is that I mean, there's strategic elements and you can also work your micro takes in, their player takes, but then also like people who are dadding, you know, people who are working, you you don't deal with the grind of waivers and trades and lineup setting, et cetera. So I'm super pumped to see how underdog and the best ball space evolves going forward. We'll certainly be focused on it at ETR all off season. And then certainly we're building out some tools at the solver as well for best ball that I think you guys will enjoy. I uh, wanted to touch on the DeMar Hamlin thing really quick from a business angle. Obviously, such a horrible situation. I'm so glad. Everybody's so glad. The guy looks like he's going to be okay. Um, I know some people out there didn't do fantasy football content last week at all. And I, I totally get that. I, I just wanted to give my take on it. Obviously, we're not going to use a situation like DeMar Hamlin one to capitalize. You know, cheap clicks, attention whatever. And we really do try to be as sensitive as much as possible. You know, we had a bunch of emails scheduled and other promotional stuff scheduled around that Tuesday, Uh, Wednesday, we postponed it um, because of the Hamlin situation. But that said, our job is to create content and a lot of people want to consume that. And a lot of people have paid for it in some cases. And so we think of ETR as an outlet for people to consume this content to enjoy a hobby or even help them be better at their job. In some cases, if they're a professional or semi-professional, in other words, I think ETR is an escape for people. We're all here because we like football. We want to try really hard to win at fantasy leagues or gambling or whatever. And if things ever get too heavy in the real world, you know, people can always tune out, but I didn't think stopping what we do made sense. So. Um, just wanted to expand on that a little bit. Saw a bunch of people talking about that and what's right. Obviously, like any situation, it's, it's nuanced and nobody on Twitter is going to understand that. So um, I like kind of just coming on here and giving a bit more context. All right. You want to get to listener questions, but first I want to give a shout out to our props team in both NFL and NBA. I think if you know what's going on in the prop streets, how much harder it's gotten, how competitive it is, you know what our team is doing is like actually awesome. NFL regular season, we went 289 and 211, 500 bets, absolutely outrageous, 500 bets across 18 weeks, insane volume. We made a switch around week six in NFL to only bet stuff late in the week when it was very widely available. So to win 53 units and post a 9.1% ROI, just so, so proud of our guys there. NBA guys are in the middle of it right now. They're 362 and 228, already up 106 units, 15 0.6% ROI, just absolute insanity, speaks to the strength of the projections and all the work that goes into that on the NBA side, ability to understand what's a good bet and what isn't. So big shout out to everyone on both our NBA and NFL props team, just insane grind and insane amount of work and really insane results for people who understand. All right, enough is enough. Let's get to everyone's favorite portion of the program, the listener questions. Producer Luke, hit the theme Music. All right, thanks to everyone for submitting the questions, cleaning out the inbox today with a six-pack. Question one from friend of the show, Eric Belair. Belair actually uh, helped film my tennis bet against Michael Levy last year. You can find his work, his camera work there on YouTube somewhere. But anyways, Eric says, I recently rejoined the hashtag team after a long hiatus after separating from my now ex-wife. I love this new woman. She's gorgeous, she's sweet, she treats me like gold. She very well may be the one. We spend an exorbitant amount of time together wherein I find myself holding in farts all day, every day, even throughout the night in bed. Her desire to make me delicious cheese plates every afternoon is not helping the situation. I sometimes make excuses like needlessly walking the dogs just to relieve the pressure. Question is, what is the minimum amount of time I need to spend in the relationship before I can release the metaphoric hounds? Or is she telling me that she's willing to accept my superfluous gas once she moves in? I've actually thought about this question a lot, Eric. I'd say two things quickly. I have a very easy answer here. Point one that I would make. The quality slash quantity of your sex life, with your significant other, is really important to a good relationship. People will tell you, people say, oh, well, uh, Adam, what matters is on the inside. Oh, 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 Adam, what's important is that you love and respect each other. Oh, Adam's just a pervert. And while all that may be true, it's not mutually exclusive. Being on the hashtag team is incredibly vital to the success of your relationship. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. Which brings me to point two. Now that we understand how important the sex is, well, then it should be clear. I would hope, Eric, I would hope that we can't be going around farting and taking disgusting dumps in front of our partner. You know, just, just can't. So yes, Eric, I regret to inform you that you do need to be holding in your farts. You do need to find a separate bathroom, hopefully a downstairs bathroom when you need to defecate. You know? Attention to detail is important here. Question two from Joe Berg. He says, I once found a metal bolt in my sandwich from a national brand sandwich company. Noticing it before I bit into it, I texted my sick pup friend and he told me to bite into it as hard as possible in order to secure a big payday. Me, a coward, did not. Was my move negative EV? So I'm not into this whole culture of trying to scam other people for a big payday, you know? Like you ask for hot coffee, you spill it on yourself, you get burned. That's on you, man. You know, you fall down because someone's sidewalk in front of their house is a little uneven. That's on you. I had a friend, we were around 21 years old. He's driving in his car, he gets rear-ended. You know, it sucks, right? He gets rear-ended. His neck hurts a little bit, nothing bad. But of course, he goes to the doctor, he says his neck is killing him, he gets a lawyer. Lawyer tells him to walk around with a brace. You know, it's better for his case if he walks around with this huge neck brace on. So he's sitting at the poker table with a fucking neck brace on, even though his neck is fine, you know, ends up getting 8K or 10K or something. And I get it. I do, you know, like fuck the insurance companies. But yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure it's GTO. Now, and I'll ask for the question from Joe. Joe's question actually reminds me of a funny story. I never been to John's roast pork in South Philly before. I go with my buddy and we're eating the cheesesteak. And he's like, what the fuck, man? I just bit into something hard and he goes into his disgusting mouth with his half-chewed-up cheesesteak in there and pulls out a fucking tooth, a tooth out of his, out of his mouth from eating the cheesesteak. I was freaking out, like immediately threw out my sandwich, moved as fast as I could to the car. I was so disgusted. But it turns out it wasn't a random tooth. In fact, it was my buddy's own tooth that came out when he bit into the sandwich. I mean, still fucking disgusting, and I couldn't eat anymore, but not nearly as bad. Now, could my buddy said oh that was a random tooth and tried to get a payday tried to go to court you know maybe and win successfully probably is it right probably not as for the metal bolt it's a little bit different because obviously the metal bolt wasn't yours i'm not going for the payday here i don't think because i'm a coward like you but it does seem like a spot you could you could I, i don't think it's unreasonable question three from printing benjamin's he says what do you think about all the tanking that happened in the world series of poker main event? Should poker evolve and implement a shot clock clock management is crucial in chess. Oh, that, I don't think there's a question. I don't see the argument against it in all live poker. I think there should be a shot clock. A absolute no brainer. It's just a horrible experience to go play some poker and get in five hands a half hour. Cause these mouth breathers are tanking. And I get it at the highest level. It takes time to understand all the combos And if this is the right hand to bluff with and you want to be randomizing, you don't want to be giving off timing tells, et cetera. But for most people, they're not thinking about all that. They're not thinking about GTO or combos or anything high level. They're just thinking like, how much will this, will I have if I lose? Or, you know, is this guy bluffing? Let me think, what does his face look like? Or this fucking guy's always trying to bluff me or whatever. And honestly, I honestly think 45 seconds to one minute should be enough for all decisions. You also have time cards when you play with a shot clock. So yeah, no doubt, not just tournaments, but I think, Every poker game would benefit from a shot clock. Question four from First Round Kicker. He says, what's your take on assisted living once you reach a certain age? In my experience, people seem to be pretty stubborn about it when it's their time and it can become quite a strain on the family. Will you be firing off bets from the bingo hall or riding it out at home? I just never want to be a burden on anyone, you know, maybe to a fault. I don't want to put anyone out. I don't want to ask anyone for favors. I don't want to impede on anyone's life. I don't know. I just have a lot of guilt around doing that stuff. And it honestly probably prevents me. It's probably not a good thing. It probably prevents me from getting too close to people, which um, I think is a problem. But anyways, assisted living, I mean, I'm fine with it. I, I think it's a tough ask for you to ask your kids to feed you soup and wipe your ass and wheelchair you around to your doctor's appointments. I don't think I'd want to do that to my kids, but I do get the counter argument there. Like, Hey, Right now, when, when they're kids, my life is completely centered around them and wiping their ass. The, the thing is, that whole idea of eye for an eye, I don't really think that's a great way of living. So, yeah, I, I would say first-round kicker. You can likely find me, you know, opening 60% of pots in the poker game at the assisted living facility. I hope to see you all there. From five from Justin Edwards says, When the football season grind relaxes a little bit, such as when the playoffs begin or the gap between the Super Bowl and the draft, Do you continue to grind in another aspect of life, i.e. fitness or other sports, or do you allow yourself to smell the proverbial roses? I I definitely think some kind of break, mental break, is important. You know, I mentioned at the beginning that I've been feeling a bit burnt out. Obviously, losing doesn't help with that feeling, but regardless, I think a break is important. The thing about it, though, is I have a really hard time unplugging. I I just feel a ton of responsibility to everyone who works with us, everyone who subscribes, and, and frankly, a ton of responsibility to myself, you know, and it's not right because ETR is so, 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 so much more than me. But I think my personal reputation is directly tied to ETR at this point. And so there's a literal never ending list of things. Like I always have a list of 20 plus things that we can do to make ETR the business better, to make the content better. You know, and not, I don't even mean business like ways to make more money. I, I mean, Business as simply making our content and our product the best it can be because it's all of our reputations and it's all of our brands. And so when there's less football, there's more room to work on that stuff. But all that said, you know, yeah, of course I'll try to be on team, smother roses when I can after the season. You know, my family has been neglected. My wife is so fucking humiliated that at every kid's birthday party, every dinner, she goes alone with all these other couples. You know, they don't even believe that she has a husband. You know, it breaks my heart when my kids ask me to play. And I say, oh, sorry, I, I can't right now, guys. I'm, I'm writing sex jokes for the internet, you know? So all that stuff in the offseason I definitely need slash want to focus on. But really, I, I don't think smelling the roses for me I, I, doesn't mean, you know, sitting on the couch binging Game of Thrones or some stupid show and eating my face off, you know? I, I think smelling the roses for me means being active every day, you know, seeing a part of the world I've never seen, spending time, real time with other humans, uh, I think so. Uh, generally, though, I would say I, I do prefer the whole concept of a sprint and then a slower time. I, I don't know if it's right or whatever. You know, some of the threads on Twitter, I'm sure, would probably argue otherwise. But uh, for me, I'd rather be grinding my cock like all the way down to like 0.9 inches for six months, and then for the other six months, you know, just be more relaxed. You know, at a reduced rate. You know, still grinding, but 2.9 inches instead of 0.9, instead of just always grinding. 12 months at some rate so i like that kind of sprint and then and then relax all right question six last question we're going to do today comes from hunter he says as a fellow post poop showerer, i need your take on the following situation you're taking a post poop shower and you realize that you have another one in the chamber do you a hop out of the shower to poop knowing that if you die they'll find you naked wet and slumped over on the shitter b waste time and water by ending the shower, pooping, and then starting a new shower. C, make a one-time exception and poop after you finish the shower and go on with your day. D, shit in the shower, stomp it down the drain, and never mention it to anyone. (laughs) My God, Hunter, you know, this is not a hard one. The hard ones are when you're far away from your home base, from your primary bathroom. Those are hard ones. In this spot, I mean, Jesus, Scott, man, we're not sitting in the shower. We're not shitting in the shower. You know, we're not animals. And we aren't shitting after the shower. You know, there's just no reason for that. We leave the shower running, we get out, we execute the mission, and we get back in. You know, we're athletes. We're we're not slipping and dying. You know, that's an easy one. All right. That is going to do it for this edition of the Solo Pod. We'll be back later tonight with Silva for a team-by-team playoff preview. Just one episode there. We are on a normal content schedule if you're subscribed through the playoffs. Obviously, big action on all fronts, DFS, props, playoff contests. If you're playing any of those playoff contests, this morning, we put up the rankings for those Establish the Edge and Leone are covering some of those specific formats, FFPC, Underdog, NFFC, all those playoff-only contests. We do have rankings up again, and we are covering them on ETE. Check that out. For Bruce Luke. Four, Jerry. I am Adam. Good luck, everybody.